Welcome to our Digital Disruptor series, where we profile companies and innovations that are set to remake and reshape industries, companies, and the economy. We hope you'll enjoy our interviews and always welcome any comments and suggestions. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Momenta Podcasts. And today, our guest is a disruptor. We have Babur Osden, who is a founder and CEO of Mana, which is, we'll get into a bit of what they do. But the reason that I had reached out to him in the first place was that we had seen Mana appear a couple of times in our survey, our uh, digital leadership survey, when we had asked our respondents, what were some interesting companies that were that were doing work that we should pay attention to? And when you see something pop up a couple of times, you, you definitely want to learn more. So I, I reached out to Bobber and I asked him to, uh, to join us to, uh, to talk a bit about what he's doing and, and uh, share a bit of his vision. So Bobber, it's, uh, it's great to speak to you. Hi, Ed. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. Terrific. So let's, let's start off first with a bit of your background. Could you share a bit of uh, you know, what had brought you to where you are today? Well, I'm a computer scientist uh, by trade. I studied uh, computer science at University of Texas at Austin. And, uh, but um, uh, uh, right out of school, uh, one thing led to another. I always found myself uh, working for startups. Either I started or someone that I know very closely started. So it's been uh, over 20 years and spread to six startups uh, on various at various industries, but at the core, it's always an innovative service or product uh, with a unique application of latest advances in software. Great. Could you talk about the uh, really the the business problem the that that really you that you see um, that you know that's that's led you to to, to found your company. Yes, um, uh, as you know, um, we are in the space of industrial digital transformation. Uh, we help our clients and we help the industries in general to go to a post-digital state. That journey for each uh, company is actually a roadmap of hundreds of new use cases. Uh, so they will develop, uh, test, deploy and maintain hundreds of use cases and new use cases in the course of three to six years. So the business need and the business problem is that speed at which these use cases could be bootstrapped from data, from tested know-how and put, uh, uh, put in use. So we see a digital transformation as a business problem of companies need to develop hundreds of use cases in the course of few years. And, and, the prob and the need is, can you accelerate the development of that many use cases with as little human uh, need as possible, uh, as well as uh, creating new type of data from these new use cases stored and consumed in a very different fashion than the traditional data siloing approaches. That's really interesting because we've been having a lot of conversations about digital transformation in 
one of the common themes is that it, every project is uh, a really a, a bespoke undertaking. There's uh, we have not yet reached a level of maturity that uh, that has led to being able to have your replicable templates uh, easily. And it sounds like that's the direction that you're you're going. Could you talk about you know yes, how, how you think course. about that? Of yeah. course. So um, um, so if you look at it, um, uh, 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 a very large industrial uh, organization, uh, their ambition uh, is to achieve. Uh, some business returns measured in multi-billion dollars in annual scale at the end of this journey. Uh, of course, uh, there is not a single uh, silver bullet use case to you do that. It's not even three or five use cases. If you look at uh, the uh, a, a half a year to year, they study how they would transform themselves. It's series of hundreds of use cases spread across uh, the entire enterprise. For example, in oil and gas space, uh, in a single company that would be dozens of use cases in each of the exploration department, drilling department, uh, production, refining, uh, shipping, trading, etc. Um, so uh, the uh, ability to build uh, uh, this many use cases and when it's original data that's going to bootstrap these use cases are coming from hundreds, if not thousands of different data silos behind an organization firewall, it is extremely important not to repeat the old habit of siloing in this new world. Uh, the, the silo, the data, siloing your data first inhibits one of the foundational reasons people do digitization. Second, slow downs the process of developing things. Um, we believe, uh, and, and many of our clients choose MANA because they see, uh, they share our uh, uh, vision, is that uh, digitization, although you do hundreds of use cases, it's not the same old way of doing use cases. So it's not more data churning, churned by more software. There's something fundamentally different in this digital world uh, because we attempt to deploy a new category of algorithm in the industrial world called machine learning category. And the machine learning is in its best when it's tackling data without silos. Uh, if you look at pure digital companies like Ubers or Amazon.com, and the word we believe digital comes because of that is that these companies have no data silos. Uh, everything is in one place, in one shape. And, and so every local decision, therefore, could be globally optimized. So the whole pursuit, as we see it, is that uh, use this digital use cases to bootstrap this a singular place where the, the companies no longer uh, do these cases in one-off applications, as well as the data they generate doesn't create silos anymore. And you see this trend, um, Ed, uh, you guys follow this very closely. Um, uh, the natural place to do uh, digitization is on a cloud. Uh, it's uh, far more cost efficient there to be able to do that. Second, you see that the company that's embarking a digital transformation uh, once it picks its cloud or multiple cloud providers, but it picks the cloud to host its digital ambitions, the next thing they do is create a data platform. 
This data platform brings data from hundreds, uh, if not thousands of different data sources across the enterprise into a single place. So the very first act is de-siloing data. So that's making data available to these new use cases. And, and our functional role in this digital stack uh, is that make that data, which is now de-siloed, now useful. So we provide another layer of de-siloing the knowledge potential in that data. So we so, add another layer of de-siloing on top of it. So essentially what you're doing is you, uh, you act to extract the appropriate data in con and then be able to uh, combine data from different sources uh, in context and a structure that uh, allows uh, the business value to be easily, much more easily accessed uh, from uh, from out to outsiders that are uh, that 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 weren't part of generating the data in the that's, first place. That, that, but that's correct. Allow me to just to qualify a little bit. So uh, when when an, a large organization desilos data into their data platform in their digital stack, which is the foundational layer of any digital stack is that any functional layer on top of it should not copy the data anymore. Uh, the data sits where it is. And knowledge, as you, as if you could take the dictionary term of knowledge, that's how we refer to it and mathematically how we define it, is that the knowledge is when data is doing something. Right. So the data itself sits in the, the data platform. The knowledge is the mathematical modeling of answering a specific question. Mm -hmm. So our computational knowledge is basically at a moment of your question, such as where should I drill the next well? How long will it take to drill this? Which type of crude should I process this week in my refinery? So the knowledge layer that we provide uses the data in the data platform, which is already desiloed, to specifically answer these questions. So what I'd be interested to, to, to learn a bit more is how you, uh, how you decide and, and define the knowledge that you are, you were essentially effectively generating you know, from this raw data. And if we go back a bit to put some context on it, uh, the whole concept of, of knowledge management as a category of software you know, goes back a few decades, this concept of uh, capturing, you know, tacit the tacit knowledge that's uh, that resides in an organization. There are a number of different approaches um, that, in in many regards, uh, have, I I recall early on you had you know companies that were in the in the search uh, market, for instance, just would use indexing technologies as a yeah. as a way to capture, um, and it was a very much of a, a brute force approach. Um, and a lot of that technology got subsumed in, into other solutions. But I'd, I'd love to get a sense of more how you are applying, you know, the approach that you're applying to to generate knowledge knowledge from data in you know in in really in a, in a contemporary fashion. Yes, uh, we approach from um, from a, a very um, uh, operational angle. So we always look at um, if you take a large oil and gas company. Um, and uh, uh, across its enterprise, it has about 500 ma uh, major operational decision points where every day 
several 10,000 people at these operational decision points would make um, 100 to 200,000 decisions. So the use cases that you would see in a digital roadmap involve, if not all, but most of these decision points, uh, decision improvement. So how can we use our data traditionally that used to sit so many different places and bring it about to answer a specific operational question? Uh, these questions are almost always the same people ask over and over. Um, and so each operational decision point is a digital use case. And each defines a problem space, if you may say, a search space. So a decision point would be to answer a very specific question, uh, which oil wells should I abandon this month? Uh, so this is not any different than asking to Google, what can I eat today? Uh, because that question is submitted to Google several million times every year across the world. So they, that answering that specific question is in a computational knowledge graph in Google. Because it's not a random query, because they know that query is going to come. And, and they know about you, they, know, they may know where you are, they may figure out where you are, and they know your eating habits, dietary habits, based on that they'll attempt to answer or make a recommendation to you. Of course, in the, uh, in the industrial world, the world is not that simple, uh, but it is a, still a, a fixed problem domain, which could be mathematically modeled. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So, so let's talk about the uh, your, your your approach to the the software that you've created, and and you know, talk about some of the components to the software, and and ultimately what the outcomes uh, and the experience that that your users have uh, by by employing and 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 using your your technology. So uh, we call our product a mana knowledge platform. Uh, it's in a very high level. It provides its end users uh, to build this knowledge infrastructure and using that infrastructure build these uh, use cases, which we call it knowledge applications. Each knowledge application is an, a recommendation um, app to a specific work decision workflow. And um, the end users are group of people uh, made out of subject matter experts, data engineers or a data scientist, one or two developers. It's almost always five to 10 people of um, uh, different backgrounds come together to write a knowledge application to improve decision-making at a fixed operational um, workflow. So we provide a tooling uh, in the core, around the core of our secret sauce, a tooling for this group of people work on a, a same uh, application and to develop a use case. So there's development tools as well as knowledge infrastructure building tools. And we call, uh, we borrowed a terminology from the industrial IoT world, which we have nothing to do, uh, is, uh, is a digital twinning. Uh, in the IoT world, um, companies like ABB was one of your guests. Um, I listened to his podcast. Uh, they built uh, 
digital twins of the physical assets. So by looking at the history of the asset, the digital twin could any given time could predict about the future behavior. In our world, what we do, we use our technology to provide a digital twinning of a business operation, which may or may not have assets in it. So uh, it is that operational workflow, uh, then uh, you write these applications to improve uh, decision-making. I think that's a really clear metaphor, though. This yeah. concept of digital twinning is is really it, it it really helps to visualize the the process that that you're you're uh, you're undertaking, and you've developed some unique uh, IP around this as well. I'd be interested to learn a bit more about the uh, the Mana computational knowledge graph, and you know, the, could you just describe a bit of that and and how it works? Yeah, um, it, it, as it says, it's computational. So it is not a graph database uh, because data is sits in a data platform on a data lake or wherever, it, or, a, or a graph uh, database. So it's about storing computations about models to answer a question. Um, a, a question is subdivided into dozens, sometimes hundreds of smaller questions whose answers eventually lead to make a recommendation. And so the computations about all of that is networked into around uh, the data related and relevant to compute. So we built um, a, a graph, we built a graph representation of how a human mind, a group of human minds think at that operational point. And then it becomes another colleague of real subject matter experts working with them to answer that question. It really, what you've described is, uh, in many of, uh, in many regards, it's intelligence augmentation, uh, are very much focused around specific processes. That's correct. Um, uh, some of the uh, big uh, uh, consultancy firms, like our partner Accenture, I believe is the uh, the name father of called augmented intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, that's exactly uh, um, uh, our platform allows our its end users to build this augmentation to help them make better decisions. And in reality, uh, I mean, in in sort of a uh, um, uh, they're actually adding another colleague, uh, but this one happens to be living in software and data, mm. but it works with them to answer that question. So what they're doing is, with, it, with a very unique way, the, our interface um, works with them. They're not even aware of the mathematics and et cetera behind, but they pass to the system, their mana system, how they would be thinking in a situation uh, at the hand, and then it's it's get modeled. So it's got, you've got all of the alternative ways of how people tacitly may respond, as well as whether that approach by human thinking has proved to be good or bad. All the history is in the data, so that you enrich then and and provide another point of view to that tacit knowledge by machine learning from data. And then you blend those together. So you've got the people experience 
and actually what really happened coming out of data, then you make a, a more experienced uh, uh, aid, um, which is now working side by side with the subject matter experts. I think you have really outlined the vision of, of what a lot of people really see as, in many regards, the future of work, which is very, you know, highly trained people working with, you know, specialized uh, computerized assistants. And I, I, I love to go back to the example of freestyle chess, which is the, uh, the it's these leagues of uh, chess experts using uh, computer uh, computer augmentation or, or computer existence to compete against each other, and apparently uh, the combination of human and you know and 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 AI or we'll say applied AI uh, has been beating you know both the both the fully you know computerized deep blue type uh, programs as well as as well as humans themselves. So to get to a better outcome than than either relying on the black box or the you know, or the or the human robot. It's uh... that's, that's that's correct. So we belong to a group of companies, small and big, uh, trying to find uh, uh, how to make this. Because at the end of the day, if this is possible, if uh, if a large organization have several hundred very important operational decision points, where several thousand people and their uh, employment every day around the world takes tens of thousands of decisions, and 10%, 15% improvement in such decision is worth trillions of dollars within a single industry uh, annually. So, But to build this, the only way this future is possible, if systems like these, these augmented capabilities could only be built by the citizen modelers, which are the subject matter themselves. If you wait highly specialized experts, scientists, and deep architects to come and build this point by point, it is an unattainable work. So the idea here, can a software platform like MANA make that gap disappear for the subject matter experts, walk work with their uh, data science or algorithmic science clients, and then they collectively build this. So if you only rely on scientists, this will never work because they won't scale, uh, nor their engineers, nor they have full understanding of the business problem. So here is the key, even developing these applications, not just it's their end consumer, even developing, the key here is the expertise in the minds of the people in the company's employee uh, base. Uh, we regard that know-how far more important than petabytes of data. So I think it's telling that you're you're bringing up the uh, the role of, of of subject matter experts. And what I wanted to dr dig into is the focus on uh, the energy industry, the energy vertical. Really, as your uh, I would say your your initial, uh, the initial industry you're focusing on. Could you talk a bit about the uh, the specific problems in that industry and and what led you to uh, to pursue the you know the, the the problems in this industry as a at least as your as as your initial initial focus? Well, um, energy industry, uh, specifically oil and gas component of the energy industry. Is been uh, our uh, beachhead market 
um, and uh, we even in time in the last few years, we focus all of our direct efforts uh, to uh, establish ourselves even deeper and further. However, uh, the situation is absolutely took place in a serendipitous way. None of none of Mana knew anything about that industry. So in 2000, middle of 2014, when we were a two-year-old company, uh, we have been going after a number of big companies in a number of different industries, healthcare, entertainment, banking, insurance, mining, oil and gas, manufacturing, you name it. So we would see where we would stick the most or which industries seem to be more uh, interested in our value proposition in a more timely or urgent way than Others. So as this quest was going on, we noticed, starting with middle of 2014, some major oil and gas companies are actually start showing interest in us an asymmetrically different way than the rest of our pursuits. So as a small company, even smaller company then, we made a fateful decision to focus despite the fact that none of us knew nothing about that industry. So uh, that focus was one of the first, we made a lot of bad decisions, Mana, but we, uh, one of the best first decisions <laughs> was that focus. And that once we focused, we saw within that industry, actually a single company uh, could actually have nine different industries. Trading is different than drilling. Exploration is different than producing it. So that provided MANA the opportunity to verify our technical claims that our platform could be agnostic to the kind of decisions that are being made on it. So an oil and gas uh, a company could actually provide MANA. That, so you see our product used by traders, you see our product used by drillers, you see it used by health, safety, environment specialists, you see them used by explorers, uh, geophysicists. So that was a very important verification by us to see that can we really be agnostic to this decision vertical. So we don't see the world as industrial verticals, we see them as decision verticals. Mm. And so... Uh, no, that's a really good, that's a great insight, and it, it would seem that that does lay the foundation for your uh, a lot of the the you know, the successes you've you built so far, the yeah. successful implementations yeah. to apply to different different industries or different verticals. So, and and again, um, the value we uh, claim we provide to our customers is that um, once they built their te digital technology stack, and almost always on cloud and for reasons almost always on Azure, uh, it's not a, a statement for a marketing statement for Microsoft, but that's a reality. Um, so we we then come and provide them, okay, you've, you've done the hardest part. You de-siloed the data that you have been siloing the last three decades. Now let's give you a, some computational capability to extract knowledge without moving your data or creating new silos. So each this then becomes your operational decision point. And so um, uh, the companies start seeing um, having a knowledge layer in their digital stack after they completed their data platform foundation would actually accelerate the development of those hundreds of use cases. Uh, so that's sort of, they start coming and seeing it and, uh, and that sort of started our, um, um, I guess, 
positive reputation within the energy industry. Could you talk about some of the successes that you've had so far, or any you know any, any examples of of uses that have uh, that have even surprised you from from your from your clients? Um, there are. Uh, uh, some of these use cases, of course, um, as for the first time we hear our product is used a decision environment. So I, I'll give you a number of them um, as a very interesting because uh, these are uh, a problem points that if you do a small improvement, you actually help human civilization. So we take pride in, in that. Um, uh, one, one would be uh, basically... Uh, um, uh, shipping in the world of shipping, uh, this is when a vessel on route learns that it cannot make a scheduled port call and it has a number of fixed hours to find an alternative port and reroute its logistics. And if you think of 70% of the world's trade is carried in, in maritime around the world, um, and, and if you could help uh, some of the major players of that industry to address and uh, remedy this problem, uh, you're actually uh, significantly contributing. So that's one area uh, that uh, our product has been used. Uh, another is uh, reduction in parts sent to the field. Um, and uh, a large companies uh, sent parts to their assets in the field to do the initial installation, uh, annual or regular maintenance, inspections, repairs, etc. Uh, in some heavy industries, uh, one out of three parts sent never used. Uh, there's significant losses. Uh, so can you improve that? Can you help a field technician that has just received an electronic ticket from a service uh, center? to make the right part selection so the part waste will be reduced. And, uh, uh, and another thing uh, would be is to, uh, can you help people who are changing, taking over shifts in, these, uh, in, in large industrial operations, a day's shift or a week's shift, or if it's an oil rig, it's you know, shift change every three weeks. So the when, when a new shift is coming in and taking over from a departing shift, how can you inform the new shift with all the health, safety, environment risks they may be facing so that the, uh, the, the operation during that shift uh, uh, doesn't have any incidents? So it's a wide ranging of uh, uh, things over, uh, over here. Yeah. That's great. And if you were to look at, if I were to ask you, you know, who would you consider your competition or, you know, what alternatives do you face when you're uh, when you're working with a with a with a potential customer our biggest competition ed is as you mentioned early on our uh, conversation is the the traditional instinct to solve these problems as one off um, so let's go tackle this use case in this fashion the other one they're all in your roadmap you got to do these use cases but what you do is you either tackle them one-off or you give a little bit, some of them to some vendor, few of them to another vendor, and everybody does in their own silos. So that traditional approach to doing this many use cases in very large organization is our number one competition. Um, and uh, the secondary 
is is the competition from the cloud providers similar sounding uh, capabilities. Um, so that's no, that's great. And uh, now, uh, just uh, I would love to just quickly ask you about the uh, just the business model and how you know what what type of a model do you do you approach? How do your how do your customers uh, pay you know pay for the software? So uh, we assume uh, that um, a customer or a prospect customer that uh, we pursue to become their vendor uh, will have at least dozens, if not hundreds, of use cases in their digital roadmap. And we would always assume half to a third of them would be extremely good fit to tackle with MANA. So um, our business engagement model assumes that fact that it's there's not a one-off case or two-off. It's, it's, a, it's a sequence of use cases. The client will use MANA to address and develop and solve. So we give our customers an annual development license so they can develop these use cases. So it's an enterprise-wide. There's no limit on how many people can use it or how many use cases they could develop it. And then we go partner our customers' success uh, our, uh, uh, in their digital transformation. Then we have a production version of our software because uh, the use cases developed with MANA in day-to-day -day operation needs to run on MANA. So there's a production version. But instead of charging one big production license, we uh, charge per use case production license and, and per use case that actually is in production. So there's uh, the time it takes to develop something, pilot, test, and go to production. There's usually several months gap. So uh, people pay us as their use cases see day-to-day -day operation in production. Great. And as you you know, as you look forward, I mean, what uh, what are the what are the in in your mind? What are some uh, some challenges that uh, you know that that you're you're focused on? And uh, then what are what are you most optimistic about looking forward? Yeah, uh, the the single biggest challenge I think uh, we face is the. Uh, as a small company um, and growing, uh, but still small. And as you know, we're uh, focused on very large industrial players. Um, so our sales cycles are long. Um, so, uh, you know, it does take about a year from the very first meeting to get to sell your first enterprise license. And in that one year, you have your sales, press sales, maybe a, a proof of concept test. So um, our biggest challenge right now is, or uh, opportunity, can we start shrinking uh, the sales cycle? And we see that taking place as more and more best practices are taking place in this digital transformation journeys and less and less um, People are abandoning less POC approach and let's go do the real thing since there's some experiment. But as a company, uh, my biggest challenge is, is a sales cycle. Second is the talent, uh, talent uh, needed to grow my uh, company. Uh, and uh, so that remains to be uh, uh, a significant um, um, challenge for us from day one, but we manage to address it. 
So what we did, what we did on the talent side is that um, we've done some. We are a Silicon Valley-based company. Uh, what we've done, another very, I think, um, important, faithful decision we took is that uh, we um, spread our organization uh, nationwide and the worldwide. So today, um, all of our engineering that develops our product is now in Bellevue, Washington. Uh, and all of our customer-facing engineering is in Houston, Texas, and in London, and in uh, Dahran, Saudi Arabia. So uh, we have addressed the um, finding the right talent problem on U.S. West Coast by going elsewhere where uh, equally maybe better talent exists. And that has been, uh, that's been working uh, for us uh, really well. And the question about what, what, what you're most optimistic about? Uh, I, I, I think in, in general, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the industry's awakening to uh, make use of their data uh, truly, uh, data was something generated and stored, and a group of people talked somewhere in an organization, looked at it if you wanted some deep analysis. So if, we, if this digitization succeeds, all of these augmented AI capabilities or AI capabilities should be as simple as bringing a, a solution in an Excel worksheet to an end, end user. So I think I think that's my great optimism. I see that is most likely if we it's going to happen, and if we can't happen this time, it'll be postponed for another forty years probably. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, well, listen, uh, it's been a, it's been terrific to learn more about your your vision and 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 the work the company's doing, and uh, I always uh, I always find it just you know, fascinating to see how. To, to solve long-standing business problems and and just just picking away at at, at ways to solve uh, uh, and create new solve problems and create new solutions. So anyway, with with that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. Uh, this again, it's been Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta, with uh, Bob Rosden, who is uh, CEO and co-founder of Mana. Bob, thank you so much for the time. It was uh, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's been my pleasure, Ed. Thank you for having me. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momentum Partners, and we thank you for listening to our Digital Disruptor series of interviews. For further information, please check the show notes as well as our website for more information on the innovations and innovators profiled here. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. 